Except she doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah. So rude. We want her to be a guest so bad. And she's like, you know, when someone else is doing something and you get like secondhand embarrassment because of what they're doing. (laughs) That's how you feel about our podcast? (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for your support. I mean, what isn't cool about this? Like, I'm snotty and crusty and (laughs) puffy and you're sitting in your closet recording on a phone. Like, I don't see what could be embarrassing. Classiest podcast ever. (laughs) No, we're just resourceful, you know. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) Gonna have to take a snot break in a minute. But yep, we're resourceful. Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together, we are Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So what are we talking about today, Big? Well, we are talking about what it means to be a foreigner in your home country. Ooh, does that even make sense? (laughs) Can you do that? I mean, that's what I feel like I'm doing right now. So I would say from personal experience, yes, you can. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're going to talk about what it's like to go back to your home country, um, mostly for a visit, but also if you're moving back permanently, which is often called repatriating and some of the challenges and adventures that come along with that. Mm -hmm. But first, before we talk about that... I want to hear how you're doing, White. How's life in the old Kathmandu? Well, I have, I feel like so many things have happened that I have too many things to actually talk about on this part of the show. I had such a, like, a crisis trying to think of (laughs) what do I actually need the most to share with all of our listeners? (laughs) We need to have more episodes just so you can share more things. (laughs) Yeah, most recently, um, one of our friends just competed in her first powerlifting competition. She's been powerlifting for a year. You know this big because you guys started together and you were training buddies. That's right. So this is not news to you, but for the listeners. Yeah, so she's been training for a year and this was her first meet. It was one of her goals of the year was to compete in a powerlifting competition. So Nepal just hosted one at this really fancy gym in the north of the city, which takes us like 45 minutes to get to. Oh my to. gosh, I saw the pictures. It looks so fancy. I was so jealous. It's so incredible. Like this gym, it's called Gym Kana, and it's actually like their focus is Muay Thai. So they have like matches that you can go to. They have this like huge ring, like really well set up ring. And they have like a YouTube channel for all of their matches. And yeah, it's just really, really legit. That's awesome. I'm a little bit, a little bit jealous. The whole competition was just really well done. I mean, of course, like it got started half an hour late. That's just kind (laughs) of like part of the game and not necessarily something that's just unique to Nepal. (laughs) No, dude, if I was organizing one of those, it would start late for sure. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And so, like, our friend and her husband, they got there at 8. It was technically supposed to start at 9. It started at 10. (laughs) And we left before it was actually finished. Mm. And we left at 7.30. What? It was the entire day. Oh, my gosh. 
That's crazy. crazy. Did you like go find food and like, what did you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had like half an hour break for lunch. And plus, um, since our friend is a girl, then they did all of the girl and the lightweight, um, lightweight lifters first. And then Mm. all of the middleweight people took like two hours to do. So we're like, we got plenty of time. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we're. Yeah, we were able to go and get stuff. But basically, powerlifting competitions are, well, powerlifting in general is based around three lifts. So you have the bench press, the squat, like where the bar is on your back, and then a deadlift. And so all the competitors get to do those lifts three times. And yeah, it was just really just such a fun, supportive atmosphere. Mm. And like, I mean, I think for a lot of people, that was probably their first competition. And so you really have to know how heavy that you are able to go. And sometimes even if you know your max, then you're still not able to lift it on the day. So we actually had a lot of people, especially on bench, that would fail on their second and third lifts. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like it was totally fine. It wasn't like if you failed, then, oh, my gosh, everyone's going to remember you because everybody was just kind of like figuring out how to do it (laughs) yeah that's kind of cool yeah um and there was this one guy who like everybody was just obsessed with he's the strongest guy like he's so far ahead of everybody else that you know he wasn't even obviously he wasn't actually lifting his max and um anytime that he would come up to lift then the entire gym just got completely silent and everyone got their phones out to record him (laughs) oh my gosh no pressure oh my gosh he was amazing like he did i think don't quote me on this but i think his squat was 260 kg his bench was 170 maybe and his deadlift was 270 wow that's crazy beautiful and he made every single one of them look so easy Uh, it was just so smooth like no hesitation at all wow that's crazy it was gorgeous yeah love that guy i think his instagram name is dr strength (laughs) because he's a nutritionist and a coach and like a huge guy but he was so nice and like our friend talked to him a lot and he was like sharing his pre-workout with everyone and like wrapping people's knees oh it was incredible oh my gosh sounds like you've tapped into like a really cool community in Kathmandu dude yeah I felt so and I I mean I'm not a power lifter but just the fitness community in Nepal I feel like I just feel very honored to be able to be a part of it Mm, yeah because everyone is so nice so cool i love it i'm so jealous i wish i could have been there yeah anyway so that's me powerlifting funness what about you uh well i just got back from a short trip to california which is where i grew up and i got to hang out with my family and i got to go to the beach and I got to go to the mountains, and I got to see one of my favorite musical artists of all time. So it was just, uh, all in all, a really magical time to be in California, and I am so glad I went. That sounds incredible. It did seem like a whirlwind, but... Oh, it was. I was so exhausted by the end. But it's interesting, the longer I live away from California, the more 
Californian, I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this happens to you. But it's like, after college, it's like, oh, I need to move out of California. Portland's so much more me, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I moved to Nepal and I'm like, I'm a California girl through and through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird how that comes out. I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it is when you're in the place, you don't notice all the uniquenesses of it because everyone is experiencing that, right? Mm -hmm. But then when I'm around a bunch of other Americans who aren't from California, then they point out things about me that are not like them. Or I realize that I miss different things than they do. Or we talk about things. So I'm like, this isn't normal for you. This isn't how you've lived your whole life. And they're like, yep. nope, <laughs> yeah. not at all. Like, oh, I guess that must be my California upbringing. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. Good to get back to my roots and feel, feel that connection. Mm -hmm. Feel a little bit grounded in my many, many travels. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be able to spend a little bit more time there before you come back to Nepal. I will. Yeah, I'm going to go back there uh, in the winter when... When the rest of the world is horrible. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, that's super fun. I'm glad that you got to... And you got to, like, travel with your family, right? So... I did, yeah. yeah. We went hiking in this area where my grandpa always used to take my mom backpacking, and then she's always taken me there. So it feels very... Uh, familial and mm. it's on the east side of the sierras so it's like the less cool part so it makes me feel like my hipsterness runs deep in <laughs> yes. my family we do all the secret awesome things <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting too it's so beautiful out there oh i love it um and it's not i don't know that everyone would agree that it's like so stunning so maybe for me, part of it is just the familiarity, but it's really deserty out there. It's super dry. So all the plants are real hardy and, you know. Yeah, I was thinking about like which mountains I like best. And people always get mad at me for saying this, but the Himalayas aren't my favorite mountains. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. I know. I love them. I mean, they're amazing, but I feel like they're number like two or three for me. <laughs> like, I mean, the Canadian Rockies are number one, obviously. Oh my they're gosh, insane. yeah. But... But, like, I feel like if you could, I don't know, it's just a different experience in the Himalayas than it is, like, in the Canadian Rockies. Like, mm -hmm. you're not going to be zooming along at 60 miles an hour through the Himalayas and then, you know, like, right. turn a corner and you're, like, just this vista of gorgeous crags and stuff, you know? Like, you're having to work for it so much harder. So it's a little bit. That's true. Yeah, you do have to earn it. Like, the juxtaposition is not as strong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing about the Himalayas is it's not like mountain meadow next to lake next to peak. You know, it's like a bunch of peaks. Right. Or it's green. Like it, it doesn't have as much mixture. I think that's what I like about the Canadian Rockies. But yeah, it's true with the Himalayas. You have to earn it. You can't drive. Yeah. Really. There. <laughs> you gotta walk. So... Anyway, all of our Nepali listeners hate us now. Yeah, mountain rankings. Sorry, I like California and Canada. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't love the Himalayas. It's like your children. You love them all equally. You just maybe have some secret favorites. <laughs> I mean, I think that my favorite mountains are probably like the Ozarks in oh, Arkansas yeah. and Missouri. <laughs> you know, like obviously they're the most. Those aren't even mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Little baby hills. <laughs> like so tall and so majestic. 
I just, I just can't imagine. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. those snow-capped peaks in the Ozarks. Yeah, Mount Magazine, the highest point in Arkansas, is eight hundred and thirty-nine meters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! And we're comfortable calling that a mountain. Yep. Yeah. Careful, don't get elevation sickness up there. <laughs> Definitely take your diamox before you do the ten minute climb to the middle of the woods. Like it's so anticlimactic that you're like, at least there's gonna be a view. No, no, it's just a plaque on the ground in the middle of an oak forest. And you're so comfortable calling that a mountain. Yep. Hilarious. Sweet little Arkansas. Yeah. Sweet, sweet little sweetie. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, speaking of mountains, no. Speaking of um, preferring your own mountains to other people's mountains. <laughs> no. I don't know how to make this transition. <laughs> Smooth transition, sister. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should just get into the episode and leave the transitions behind. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, do you want to just get into the meat of the episode? Let's do it. All right. So, yeah, you're not in, like, your foreign host country anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe your contract is ended and you move back to your passport country. Maybe you're on home leave for just a few months and you're planning to go back to your host country. Or maybe you're making the more permanent transition, like Big was talking about, and repatriating. Ooh, to use that word. But either way, we know you, and we know that you're a little weird. <laughs> yep, we said it. Or even if you're not weird, like maybe, I mean, we know that you're at least just not the same as you were the last time that you spent this much time in your home country. So... Yeah, let's let's talk about that. What uh what changes? I mean, I think the obvious thing is you're not really going back, right? You're going forward. Mm, so deep. You're different and the place you're going back to is different. I stole it from a blog. I can't take credit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good point. I mean, if you're expecting to go back home, you're going to be disappointed mm -hmm. because the place that you're going to is going to be different and you're different and the people that you know have changed over time, you know, and maybe you've kept up with some of it because we have this magical thing called the internet, but there's still going to be a lot of things that people don't think to tell you or that you just like haven't had access to that information and your character has changed. You're different on the inside and it's not going to be necessarily as smooth or easy as you might expect yeah and maybe it's kind of that other people have expected you to change but they don't realize maybe how much they have actually changed mm -hmm. yeah that's true because they're probably more interested in like you know our exciting lives i'm gonna use quotation for our exciting lives because sometimes they don't <laughs> yeah. feel very exciting and we're like i don't want to talk about my office job yeah my life is way more exciting this year being in the states than it was in nepal because i'm like traveling yeah. so much in nepal i only travel a couple times a year oh my gosh you have traveled so much i know it's i'm like well I cycle the exact same one kilometer commute to the office every day. And I did one trip. That's it. Yep. <laughs> and you've been like four new countries. and <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Life is never what you expect oh. somehow. 
you can prepare yourself only so much like, mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about like thinking about the parking lots in America and how big they are. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't know how to prepare yourself for like, for all of the changes that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. You know, you always come back into your home country with a slightly different perspective than the last time that you were there. Right. Well, and I mean, similar to how I was saying that I didn't realize how Californian I was when I lived in California. I don't realize how Nepali I've become until I come back to the States and I have a contrast, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of discovering all these things as they happen to come up. You can't really prepare yourself for everything ahead of time because you don't even have the context to know what those things are yet. Yeah. Yeah. Here's something that has happened to me that is been unexpected is that people ask me really simple questions and I do not have good answers. <laughs> They're like, so uh, where do you live? And I'm like, California, Oregon, Nepal. Um, <laughs> I feel every time I go through immigration, I like get all awkward. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Actually, when I went through immigration this time, the guy was like, oh my gosh, Nepal. Can I like like, is it possible to go to Everest? I don't want to, like, climb Everest, obviously, but, like, can I go there? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> so I gave him some Nepal travel advice. Good. Yeah, it was good. But that's not the only question that's hard. I mean, who knows where home is, really, for me. I think it's lots of places. We've talked about this before, that we need multiple words for home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Inuits have multiple words for snow. But um, other questions, too, like, Oh, how long are you going to be in Portland? <laughs> I'm like, until a date that I haven't decided yet. <laughs> well, depends on, because I want to, I see I want to go to this other place, but then I want to be in LA by Thanksgiving, but then I have to, the person's like, I didn't, what? Why are you telling yeah, me Yeah, they're like, story? dude, if you don't want to <laughs> hang out with me, like, just tell me, okay? I don't need this answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the same to you, like, are you moving back to Nepal? And I'm like, I'm planning to, but there's other factors in there. So I've decided it might change, but this is what I think right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no simple answers. Oh. oh, man. But I've kind of learned to gauge the person that asks the question and figure out why they're asking it. And then if they're asking because they're interested in me personally, then I give a longer answer. Right. And if they're asking just because they want, like, a small bit of information, like, for example, how long do I have to plan a hangout with you? Then I try to give, like, a slightly less accurate but more palatable answer. (laughs) About six weeks. And then if it changes, whatever. But that's been my strategy. But it's a bit surprising. Like, you would think I would just have answers for these things. But no, no. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in my own life. Yeah. It's dang confusing. I feel like even the where do you live question trips me up even here mm. like in nepali yeah it gets confusing because they're like where's your house and i'm like do you mean my my own country or do you mean like in Kathmandu? where is my house i don't know and i always have to clarify right because the way they ask like where are you from is more like where is your home mm-hmm. but the word for home and house are the same so you have to like make a judgment call and then sometimes I get it wrong like people are like where is your home and I'm like oh you know I live in this neighborhood in Kathmandu and they're like no where is your home where are your parents poor orphan child and I'm like oh Los Angeles 
Captain America. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't help that we're not married, though, because right. like there are terms in Nepali for like women, where is your hometown? Men, where is your hometown? Oh, yeah, that's true. So we don't get that. We just get where is your house? Yeah. Anyway, even despite the confusion, I feel like we get so used to being identified as the person who lives overseas. Like, Mm. you know, when you go home, you're the person who is coming back from Nepal. It's so ingrained in our identity, right? Right, yeah. Which is something when, especially if you are moving back to your home country, which neither of us have actually done unless you just stay there and you never come back to nepal in which case i would be really sad oh don't you worry i will be back (laughs) but yeah if you're if you're moving back to your home country then i would imagine that would be really difficult because suddenly your identity has changed so much like you're not the person who's visiting from nepal Ooh, how exotic you're just like well I live in America now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and even when you're in Nepal, you're exotic too, right? Right. It's like you're exotic to your friends from whatever place you grew up, and you're exotic to the place that you're in also. Yeah. But if you move back, quote, home, original home, whatever place you grew up, then now you're always the same as everyone else. Yeah. Not exciting anymore. There's only so long that you can hold on to the... Oh, well, in Nepal, we did this. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, uh, White, you lived there 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody has that one friend who did one semester abroad, and they're like, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is a good meal, but it's not as good as this food that I ate in Barcelona. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like, just go move back to Barcelona. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You just can't hold on to that. Oh, man. No, but I kind of had like a... a slight crisis when I was in the UK and I went to the linguistics conference because I kind of went into that conference being like, well, I'm not going to try and make myself heard too much. I'm just going to take this opportunity to learn and just really listen to people. But then I realized that especially from the grad students, I was instantly kind of cool because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm American, but I'm doing sociolinguistic research in Nepal and I've been doing it for like almost three years now. And they're like, well, that's amazing because yeah. <laughs> that is not a normal thing to do in linguistics. I went to Indonesia for two weeks for my research. Yeah, yeah. right. Most people would go for like a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's their entire doctoral dissertation research. Um, And we live there. How cool are we? (laughs) But I had this realization when I was feeling so cool in the UK that I was like, if I end up moving from Nepal and like if I end up going back to America and getting more graduate studies, then I'm going to lose that part of my identity like I'm not gonna instantly be able to be like yeah hi I'm white I'm doing sociolinguistic research and oh yeah I live in Nepal I've been here for a few years now right you can't do that you're like when people ask where you live you'll be like America California yeah I am an American living in America yeah please worship me (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's funny so I was like oh no what if should I just stay in Nepal which isn't a good enough Mm -hmm. reason to stay in a country by the way (laughs) to impress other people a recommendation and I'm not going to do this but that was my like instant 
instant reaction. I will say, though, on the flip side of that, sometimes it's kind of nice to not be standing out, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a relief to just be like a normal, boring person that no one is looking at you or expecting more from you or whatever, you know? Like blending into the crowd. It's kind of a nice feeling. Yeah, dude. A little, little contrast. Yeah. I actually, sometimes I find for my friends, I'm like the one person that they know that lives overseas, right? So it's always like, oh, this is my friend Big. She lives in Nepal. And that's like the the one thing about me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I start to feel like people see me a bit one-dimensionally. It's like, oh, facts about my friend. This one thing I remember about her from six years ago, and she lives in Nepal. And I'm like, <laughs> I also have a personality, though, and, like, other interests. And, yeah, you know. it's so true. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it, it's been kind of interesting to see how sometimes I react negatively to that when people introduce me to someone, and they're like, she lives in Nepal. And I'm like, do we have to talk about it? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of music do you like? I don't know. Tell me about your job. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate that people appreciate me, but yeah, that was just something unexpected, I think, for me, that I wouldn't want people to see me as the person who lives overseas. Right. It is your identity, but maybe it's been kind of placed on you at times. Well, I just want it to be part of my identity, not my whole identity, mm-hmm. you know. But what else do people talk about, though? I mean, they talk about, like, their jobs. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just... Hi, I'm big and I like folk music. They're like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> so what do you do for a living, you weirdo? Are you a musician? No? <laughs> then I don't want to hear about your music. <laughs> I think another reason that I react to that is being back in your home area, especially if you're traveling as much as I am and you're seeing lots of different people just for a short amount of time, you end up having the same conversation like 500 times (laughs) yeah dude so it's like if it's a new person it's like where do you live tell me about your work i went to a wedding and i had to explain my job like six times (laughs) which by the way i'm really good at explaining it in like three sentences now so (laughs) lots of practice but you know or if it's someone that you know and is like really interested in you and they want to go more in depth that's still the same conversation. Oh, how are you doing spiritually? Like, how has your work been impacting you? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I feel bad. I feel like kind of a jerk. I'm just like tired. of it. I don't know. I, I mean, I usually don't show it. Like I try to be super gracious and engage with the person as if it's the first time I've ever had the conversation. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes when people lead with, oh, this is my friend from Nepal, I just see that looming on the horizon. I'm like, this conversation that I've already had 50 (laughs) times this month. (laughs) Yeah, which maybe brings us to our next point is that when you're transitioning back, it's important to not be a jerk. (laughs) And that could be really difficult. (laughs) It can be really difficult. I know you would think it wouldn't be but I guess all of human life, it's hard not to be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> oh, man. Like one of my really good friends lives in China and she's just come back for a year long home leave in the States. And she was telling me her parents live in New York, um, but she's from Texas. But anyway, so she's coming back and her family was really wanting to go out for Thai food. Oh, no. And... She was like, her instant thought was just like, but I don't want to go out for Thai food. Like the only Thai food that I have eaten has all been in Thailand because she has to go to Thailand like at least once a year for her conference. 
And she's like, and I know that if I order a pad thai, and she was at a conference in Ohio at this point, <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed. It's not going to be the same as right. pad thai in actual Thailand. Yeah. But I don't want to tell people that I don't want to go for Thai because of this. Like, that sounds like such an entitled jerk move. Right. Um, I'm sorry. This isn't good enough Thai food. So <laughs> I'm a yeah. world traveler and I know what Thai food is. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a very thin line from talking about the amazing sandwiches that you used to eat in Barcelona. Right. right? Yeah, it is. It is hard. I know. I, I found people are pretty good about they're like, oh, you probably don't want rice. You're probably tired of it. <laughs> I think people in my life have have gotten that but it's definitely it's hard here's something that i find hard not to be jerky about is when people expect me to know things that i don't know like they're like haven't you heard of this movie that's just come out and i'm like no i don't live here stop i don't know <laughs> I just, I react if it's so not a superhero or an action movie <laughs> or an apolly movie or a hindi film i haven't yeah. heard of it they're like how can you not know about this restaurant i'm like i haven't lived in LA for 15 years. <laughs> okay, <sighs> calm down. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good about following your don't be a jerk advice, though. I hold it in and I'm very polite. I'm like, well, remember, I haven't lived here. Tell me about it. Huh? They're like, why are you suddenly all cutesy and sweetsy? I don't understand. Something's wrong. <laughs> this is weird. Big must be mad. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've had the opposite experience, though, because when I go back to my city, that my town that I used to live in in central Arkansas, which is not very big, mind you, it's like 75,000 people. And um, and everyone expects that I don't know anything, oh, like funny. none of the new restaurants or anything. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I have to take you to this coffee shop. It's new. I'm like, I know four other people have taken me <laughs> to that coffee shop. Because <laughs> there's only one new coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, this is not that big of a town. It's the new coffee shop. I know about it. Oh, that's good. Oh, the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like here's a way that I'm accidentally a jerk and I feel really bad and I but I'm not really sure what to do about it is I found that I just like don't remember things that are really important to other people. Like what? Like they're like, remember when we went to lunch at this place <laughs> and we talked about this and I'm like, okay, well, since that happened, I've met 400 new people. <laughs> yeah. I've been to eight countries and I've been on 30 plane rides and I'm so sorry. I don't remember that one lunch we had <laughs> But I mean, I want to remember it, you know, like, it's yeah. not like I'm forgetting because it wasn't meaningful to me. But that's another thing. Like, how do you explain that without sounding like a jerk? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I have had so many meaningful interactions since then that I just erased that one from my memory. <laughs> yeah, that definitely sounds like a jerk move, but it's a real thing. Like, you, yeah. kind of, your brain goes into survival mode. Exactly. Like, yeah. You can only remember so many things. I've deleted a lot of other more recent, more exotic things, probably. Mm -hmm. I just don't even know. Yeah. Which brings me to the next point that we've already kind of touched on is that we might be more exotic than we give ourselves credit for, <laughs> which is weird because like, I feel like for us, maybe you leave America in kind of a blaze of glory and like, you know, to your friends, you're the only person who lives overseas but the reality is once you get overseas 
And especially somewhere like Kathmandu, where there's so many foreigners living here, you're not special. Right. I mean, especially for us, we're just two of the thousands of Americans that are living here. That is so not a big deal. And we're not the most traveled of the people that we know, Mm -mm. (laughs) especially the Europeans. Like, you're never going to catch up to a European who's (laughs) traveled. It's just... It's just not fair. You're fighting a losing battle. So to us, like, we wouldn't necessarily think of ourselves as world travelers mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. like, yep. Or just, like, think of ourselves as especially cosmopolitan or especially knowledgeable or yeah. especially experienced. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody who has more experience, who's seen more places than you. But it's important to remember that when you're back in your home country – that's not the same community that you're entering back into all of these people that are constantly traveling. Um, So you might be more exotic than you think. When I was home last year, I kind of had a weird experience with my family because my family is, um, I have a pretty big family and not that nobody has traveled, but we grew up very poor. And I would say that you wouldn't even necessarily think of international travel as a possibility. Mm-hmm, yeah. And most people who live in Northeast Arkansas, where I'm from, I mean, they probably wouldn't have a passport. Like most people that I went to high school with still live in that town. And that's fine. That's not a judgment at all. That's just the world that I've come from. Mm-hmm. And so I live a very different life than most of the people that I grew up with and from my family to. And so I had this weird experience. We were at my grandparents' house and we were playing some kind of like trivia game. And it I think it was about world geography, which is something that I don't necessarily think of myself as very good at. Like mm-hmm. once I've been to a place, then it's easy to, right, yeah. you know, you know a lot more information about it. But other places, like I don't just read books about world geography but my (laughs) brother is super knowledgeable i think like he collects books like antique books and he reads all these books and he keeps up with political things and stuff and he still lives in the in northeast arkansas but i think of him as being very knowledgeable and very like self-taught which is something that i really look up to and anyway so we're playing this trivia game and i kept getting things right Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, and my brother ended up saying something like, oh, well, White has an unfair advantage because she's a world traveler. And that just kind of like, I mean, it hurt my feelings a little bit because it was just such like an unexpected comment because I don't think of myself that way. Mm. I'm not special. I'm always the youngest and least experienced person in Kathmandu. <laughs> and I feel like people point that out. All the freaking time. So I'm like, I don't expect that much. You're just extra sensitive. (laughs) I'm 27, but everyone's like, oh, sweetie, you tiny little baby. Oh, you're so new and fresh in the world. I'm like, dang, dude, my mom had like four kids. Because everyone in our organization is 60. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that's beside the point. I'm sensitive about this topic, obviously. Back to the actual point. Yeah, it was just a weird experience. And so I kind of had this this realization that, well, first of all, I am different things to different people. Mm -hmm. Like my family perceived me in a much different way than I perceive myself. Because first of all, I'm also the youngest of six kids. So I'm like, 
kind of the youngest person in the family and off living what they assume is an adventurous life, you know, Mm -hmm. and none of them have gotten to come and visit me yet. So they can't entirely conceptualize it. Right. Yeah. I think one of the difficulties of that, I mean, I mentioned earlier that people are like, oh, this is my friend from Nepal, you know, Mm -hmm. I think another reason that it's hard to feel that way is it feels like a little bit distancing, you know? Mm. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, well, you know more about this than me because you're this world traveler and I'm not. I'm just a normal person, mm. you know. And it, it feels like it puts a gap between you and your relationship where it's yeah. they're categorizing you separately from themselves. And it makes it harder to feel like you're going to be able to make a connection across that gap. That is so true. That's a really good point. Yeah. Especially when you're needing to come back to your family. Right. Right. And those are the people, like the you people that you the want most. to make the most connection with. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there's like this new barrier. It's like, yeah, hey. it's hard. I know. I feel really lucky. Both of my parents have traveled a ton mm. and not really recently, but when they were young, mm-hmm. they've traveled a lot. And so I feel like they totally get it. You know? Yeah. They know what it's like to be overseas and they know what it's like to be the person that everyone thinks of as the international mm-hmm. person. And, you know, <laughs> they do not put me on a pedestal at <laughs> all. Thanks, mom. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that, like, might be surprising or hard when you come back. But actually, I think in some ways, uh, something that can be surprising about being back in your home country is how easy certain things are. Mm. Like, I think, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, how hard it is, you know, reverse culture shock. And you hear stories of people, like, having a meltdown in the cereal aisle Mm because there's too many options or whatever, you know. (laughs) But... Yeah, I mean, it's you still are going back to a familiar place, you know, and there's all the the happy things that come along with that. And maybe those aren't so obvious because it's not such a clash, but it can be really nice, too. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like sometimes people, they try and like prepare themselves for that. You know, they know that you're coming back and maybe it'll be hard, which is so nice because sometimes people don't think that it's going to be difficult at all they think it'll just Mm. be so easy and Mm -hmm. you'll be so excited to be in the cereal aisle (laughs) (laughs) but yeah sometimes people kind of you know they know that it's going to be hard and they kind of treat you like you're very delicate and a breakable (laughs) china doll or something like that when in reality you're like well i guess i should say it's easier than you would think to compartmentalize your life in Nepal versus your life in America, right? I think yeah. we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And the more you go back and forth, the more you can do it, right? Yeah. It's like being bilingual. Your brain just starts to like separate the two things. And mm-hmm. when you're in one place, you know how to behave. And when you're in a different place, you know how to behave. It's, al- it's also nice to... You know, one of the nice things about people thinking of you as an international person and, you know, the person who lives overseas or whatever is that you can get away with more, you know? Yes. Like, it's kind of your excuse to be a little bit countercultural. And, you know, sometimes it's a really positive opportunity to be able to introduce people to new ideas that they haven't thought of before or bring up topics that maybe normally you wouldn't talk about over the dinner table with your family um, about what's going on on an international scale or just what it's like to learn a different language, learn a different culture, be from a different place and... Yeah, appreciate all the things that we've learned and have benefited from from being steeped in another culture. Yeah. It's easier to compare 
American culture for us and Nepal culture rather than just being like, here's all the bad things I see about American culture. Right. Like it kind of gives you a broader scale to be able to discuss topics. Yeah, you can, you know, instead of being like, oh, America is so individualistic and it's the worst, you know, you can be like, well, I really learned from like seeing communal culture in action in Nepal. And that's, yeah, there's just a lot more connection there. And your opinion has more gravitas. Yes. You yeah. are so experienced and knowledgeable. Because you are exotic. <laughs> yeah. I sure don't feel exotic, <laughs> let me tell you. But yeah, I feel like sometimes, maybe, at least like in, in our work culture, we're kind of used to, or when you move overseas, you hear more about people who are like moving overseas a hundred years ago. Like, those are the kind of stories <laughs> that you hear that in true. preparation for living in Nepal. Yeah. And they're like, they kiss their mother goodbye, knowing that they would never see her again. <laughs> and they put all of their belongings in the casket <laughs> and put it on the boat and sailed away from their home, never to see the shores of their motherland again. <laughs> you know, like, that's kind of the mentality that they want you to take on. When in reality... I mean, we, for our work, we have four-year contracts, and then you go home for like six months or so. It's more expected that you're going to be able to go back to your home culture, so you don't disconnect from it the same way. Mm. Social media is a big deal, and so like I, it's one of my hobbies to kind of stay abreast of what is happening in American pop culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so by the time, like, maybe something surprised me still when I go back, but it's not all surprising. I'm not, like, a complete weirdo yeah. who's been living out in a hut for the last four years, and now, oh, yeah, I get to speak English again, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. I live in a capital city, and, like, yes, some things aren't available, but a lot of things are. Mm -hmm. So... It's not, like, such a shock anymore. Yeah, actually, here's something that I've noticed that has surprised me that's been weird is it's harder for me to be away from Nepal. Like, I don't know how to do that, right? Mm. Like, I've learned how to live in Nepal. And, you know, from you, I learned about what's going on in America and from Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I talk to my friends. I have this routine of who I Skype with, my family. But I don't have, like, a way to stay connected with Nepal because I've been living in Nepal, right? Yeah. So it, I almost have this, like, weird reverse thing of, like, I feel like when I come back to Nepal, I'm going to be, like, so disconnected, <laughs> like, so weird. I haven't spoken Nepali in forever. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who still lives there, what's going on with politics. Like, that's going to be almost a harder transition yeah. back to Nepal, I think, than like coming to the U.S. because I was more connected here. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. You need, well, you better set up a system and figure out what's happening here before you come back. I know. I've been getting fewer Nepali, like my Nepali accounts that I follow mm -hmm. on Instagram don't come up as no. much. And I don't get Nepali ads anymore. So I should set my VPN to Nepal. So yes. <laughs> kiss me all the things I want. And I'll get fewer ads on YouTube if I do that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's something that you don't expect. You know, like, that's how I mark my transition whenever I'm in a different country is mm -hmm. how many Instagram ads that you're getting for the place that you're actually <laughs> yes. in at the time. Like, yeah. that happened in the UK after a couple you, weeks. You, like, go to Thailand, you start getting stuff in Thai, and you're like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deep. And then, yeah, like, the longer that you're in America, the less Nepali Instagram ads that you get, and you're like... 
no, I'm losing my connection. Like, it's not oh, the people who still live in Nepal. It's the Instagram ads. The Instagram ads. <laughs> okay, so there's things that might surprise you. There's things that might be hard. You might want to be a jerk all the time, but don't do that. <laughs> okay, that's my advice. <laughs> To sum it all up, too long, didn't read. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about repatriating before and, you know, things that can help you make the transition well, whether you're um, moving back to your home country permanently or if you're just visiting. But, um, I mean, it's kind of all the same advice that's good for life, right? Like, mm -hmm. don't bottle up your feelings. If you need to grieve, like, really take time to grieve or and just recognize your time that you had overseas and all the positive things about it and the difficulties and, and all of that. Even if you're burned out or your last position was, you know, really hard and you had to leave and you didn't want to. Whatever it is, don't go home feeling guilty or bad. Yeah. Think about your experience and try to process the good things as well. And just remember that your life has purpose wherever you are. Yeah. It might feel exciting or exotic to be living in another country, you know, whether you're from Nepal and you've moved to Australia or the U.S., if you're from Europe and you've moved to Asia or whatever it is, usually having a big move like that really changes your identity and can give you a sense of like purpose and make you feel like you're important. And going back, quote, home can make you feel like you're losing that. So just don't let yourself lose that, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. Yep. You can take all those things that you've learned and all those benefits and bring them with you in your life. Remember, you're not moving back, you're moving forward. And remember that none of your experiences in wherever the last place that you know, you've just moved from, none of those experiences will be wasted. They're mm -hmm. going to come they're going to be useful in some way. Absolutely. Like, there's always going to be Nepalis living somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like those Nepalis I found in North Dakota. <laughs> um, and I would also say, I say this a lot on the podcast, I'm a big proponent of getting counseling. Not just if you're feeling like you're falling behind on life. I think this is good for everybody to just have a non-judgmental sounding board mm. to be able to process all of your all your stuff with mm -hmm. is always a good use of your time and money. So consider that as you're going through this transition. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that's kind of all the stuff that we wanted to talk about as far as what it's like to be either temporarily or permanently back in your home culture. So shall we move on to our s -s -s segment of the week? Oh my gosh. S -s -s segment of the week. <laughs> Kill me. You guys, so we found our opposite selves, and we're really excited to tell you about it. Yeah, we are. There's a podcast of two Nepali women who have moved to the U.S., and they're talking about their experience living there. So basically, Swapped Lives podcast, and we're pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think that they're cooler than us. Like, they live in Manhattan. They have really amazing jobs. And I think that they're doing pretty well with their lives. 
I mean, we're doing okay, too, but whatever. <laughs> they definitely have a more professionally produced Instagram page. So. Yeah, they have, like, an actual producer. It's not just the two of us being like, who's editing this week? No, I don't have time. You edit this week. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot to post again that we have a new episode on Instagram. Dang it. Oh, well. We do it all for you guys, <laughs> listeners. You better appreciate it. Yeah. Anyway, their names are Anuja Magarshakya and Rama Shah. And they're both from Nepal, living in New York. And their podcast is called Kaskura Podcast, which means real talk. Yeah. Basically. It's a Nepali term. It's spelled K-H-A-S space k-u-r-a and you should totally check it out i think they're available they're really new um i think they only have three episodes out right now so you don't it's not going to be one of those podcasts where you get into it and they've done like 200 episodes and you're like nah i can't i'm too far behind i can't even start <laughs> now is the time to start they're just no i'm the opposite <laughs> i like starting a podcast once there's 40 episodes so i can just binge them all on my 16 hour oh plane ride <laughs> but yeah it's very well produced and you should definitely give them a listen they have no idea that we're talking about them on the podcast. <laughs> they are cooler than us again. But I have I have reached out to them on Instagram and told them that we are their podcast twins. So they're really happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> or at least pretended that they were. I don't know. <laughs> Just another white girl being like, hi, we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Once again, not unique. Oh, man. Cool. Well, we're pretty excited about that, and we hope that you guys uh, enjoy their podcast as much as we do. Yep. Okay, well, I think that is it for the episode. So, you guys, thanks for continuing to listen throughout our crazy off schedule and forgetting to post to Instagram and yeah. <laughs> having weird sound quality because I'm recording on my phone sitting in my closet right now. <laughs> We really appreciate you guys. We appreciate your support on Patreon. It helps make this podcast possible. And we're glad you're here. We're glad glad you're hanging out with us. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think I'm going to hang up. Wait. Okay. So, yep. I'm going to hang up now. All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to put the microphone okay. yep. down. Okay. 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 Great. Okay. I'm going to hang okay. up. Okay. All right. Yep. Talk to you later. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.